0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.
1: Today
0: FM. I'm delighted that we're joined for the Culture Club today by one of Ireland's most accomplished and successful 21st century novelists. Her new book is getting rave reviews. It's called Idle. Louise O'Neill, thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. And before I get to all of your choices, and we've got some great choices to get through, Tell us about this latest book. What's it all about?
2: Mm. Um, well, Idol is about an American wellness influencer called Samantha Miller. Um, and Samantha is very beautiful and powerful and, and very wealthy. And she has, you know, millions of followers on social media um, and travels all across the world giving motivational speeches. And she's just written a new book And in order to promote it, um, she writes this essay for a magazine, um, which is about a sexual experience that she had as a teenager with her then best friend, Lisa. And the essay goes viral. But then Lisa gets back in contact and she says that's not quite how she remembers that night, that her memory of what happened between her and Sam is much darker.
0: That's a terrific premise because mm. that really takes in so much of modern day life. Mm,
2: yeah, well, I think you know if you it's, there's memory and trauma and cancel culture and influencers and and wellness and like and, and feminism and like it's it's kind of all in there. Um, but I think really it's an, at its heart, it's an exploration of sex power celebrity. Um, So if any of those sound good, I think this is the book for you.
0: And also set in the United States of America and I even saw one rave review that Tanya Sweeney wrote suggesting she expects that this will end up as a series on our TV screens. Has it been optioned yet? Um,
2: well, there have been conversations, but I, I can't really um, say anything yet. But I just, my dream, like Reese Witherspoon, I think would be sort of the idea. She would make an amazing. Uh, a yeah.
0: Oh, God, I don't know. Is that a bit close to home? I'm not sure. I mean, no, any, maybe she any, would. Any resemblance to No, 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 exactly.
2: Oh my God. Please, Matt, please do not get me
0: sued, okay? <laughs> It sounds like a fantastic, I'm looking forward to reading it. Idle is the new book by Louise O'Neill. So let's get to the Culture Club and we'll get to books a little bit later because we always start with our guests on music and we ask for the first music that they remember buying. You're of a generation probably straight to albums rather than singles because you're much younger than many of our other guests. So tell us the album that you selected.
2: Okay, well, I actually couldn't remember which one of these it was. Um, And I have to say that these make me sound like a much cooler. Uh, 12 year old than I actually was Um, but um, it was either um, Jagged Little Pill um, by Alanis Morissette um, or Tragic Kingdom um, by No Doubt but like I mean Alanis I think is sort of a a cultural touch zone for women of my generation Um, I was absolutely obsessed with it I remember being over in my grandparents house and and singing um, you know that that lyric where it's like you know does she go down and you in a theatre like singing it really loudly (laughs) my grandmother being like please please stop (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Alanis got me
0: in a bit of trouble. (laughs) Uh, Let's hear a little bit of Alanis Morissette and uh, Isn't It Ironic?
1: (laughs) An old man turned 98 He won the lottery
0: from the album Jagged Little Pill. Louise O'Neill, does it still hold up for you, that Oh music? my God,
2: yes. I mean, I feel like she gave women permission to be, like, really angry and messy. I mean, she did also, I think, confuse an entire generation of people about what ironic meant. Um, we're still like, what does it actually mean? But um, but yeah, no, the music doesn't. I, I went to see her... Um, God, when time has gotten a bit elastic you know, with the pandemic. I'm trying to think, was it 2019 um, that she was playing in Dublin? And it was just amazing to sort of see all these women in their 30s just kind of like lose their absolute minds at, at seeing her because I think she she was such an important figure for so many of us.
0: Now, an artist that a lot of women lose their minds for as well, and indeed our own Pamela Joyce nominated this as her favourite album recently as well. You've gone for Beyonce and Lemonade mm-hmm. as a favourite album.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember it was released in 2016 um, and it was just so, I mean, the music was incredible. It felt so honest and raw and vulnerable, um, particularly, I think, for an artist of like her calibre and sort of, I suppose, you know, just it's very rare. Often, you know, I think the more famous um, an artist or a celebrity becomes, like the less they kind of give a view um, of of themselves in that way. Um And I think visually it was so, it was just so stunning. Um, And yeah, I think it was just one of those albums that like really just blew me away. And I remember listening to it and feeling like that she had used like so much of her own life and her own pain to inform her art and to create like this masterpiece. And I suppose often I think when you're a creative person, you're always looking for art that like, inspires you and that can that doesn't always like i mean i'm a writer but that doesn't always have to come through books like often that can come through something like music where you where you're listening to this and going god how can i incorporate some of this into my own work like how can i incorporate some of this vulnerability and some of this anger and some of this i suppose how raw it was um and use that to inform my work too
0: had you already been a fan of hers
2: oh yeah yeah but i mean this i suppose it was such a huge um like obviously you know you know I'd loved her like Destiny's Child and um, you know and and Crazy in Love and and all of that but I think you know firstly with her self-titled album where I think she was really leaning into sort of her feminist sensibilities and that was such an incredible show to see live Um, and then when this album was dropped I think it it was like nothing we'd ever really seen before because the visual album was such an important aspect of that Um, and I suppose up until that point, I had really associated like you know Solange, her sister is is really is, has beautiful clothes and has like an incredible eye and and I hadn't really I think thought of Beyonce maybe in those in, in that way and so I think that felt like very very much like a surprise as well.
0: From that album Lemonade, let's hear a bit of Hold Up.
1: Jealous, so crazy, jealous, so crazy. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Let's imagine for a moment that you never made a name for yourself, a master of wealth. They had you labeled as a king. Never made it out the cage to like that moving in them streets. Never had the baddest woman in the game up in your shades. Would they be down to ride now? They used to hide from you, lie to you, but y'all know we were made for each other. So I find you and hold you down. Missing, missing. Hold oh, up. They don't love you like I love you. Down, they don't love you like I love you Back up, they don't love you like I love you Step down, they don't love you like I love you Can't you see there's no other man above you What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you
0: Hold up, they don't love you like I Hold up from Lemonade down, Have you seen her like perform live?
2: I have, I've seen her twice Um I saw her um, when, as I said, with the self-titled album um, And then I saw her at Crook Park And it was, I mean, it was phenomenal
0: Yeah you didn't give us any favorite gig and you've already mentioned did you seem fiance yeah. and you've also seen a <laughs> lot of you know of what Spare i search. think
2: i think i um, it's funny i feel like a bit of a fraud <coughs> because like um my partner is really into music and often i will just prefer silence um so yeah i know so i do you feel like you can
0: listen to his music with the headphones yes, on so
2: yeah um and um i don't know what it is so i i think i like to just be alone with my own thoughts um so sometimes i do feel like a bit of a fraud when you were like what's your favorite gig i was like we're going to be talking about music for the whole interview. Let's talk about books. Let's talk we about art. We get to books, but I have more
0: music I want to ask you about. Because you've nominated as your favourite band, uh, Baby Shambles. Yes, and
2: this is a bit of a joke, okay? And I'll, expl- I'll explain to you why. Okay. So, when I was in, I think, second year of college, so about, like let's say, is that 2004, maybe 2005? um, I was, like, obsessed with Kate Moss. Like, obsessed with her. Like, obsessed with her style. I just thought she was just so cool. And she was dating Pete Doherty from... Um, Baby Baby Shambles Shambles. so then I got like really fixated on him as well and he really he looked like this guy that I had like a massive crush on as well so I was like oh my god okay if I get with this guy we can be like the Kate Moss and Pete Doherty of Clonic Guilty, which (laughs) is not going to happen (laughs) Um, so yeah so I I said well I I mean I have to be legit about this like I have to buy the music and get like really into you know because I mean otherwise I would just you know as I said I would feel like a fraud Um, so I bought that album and like I listened to uh, I listened to it on until I, Until I liked it that that took some time
0: it 's a different type of music isn 't it it is, it is a little nominate. it is a little different let 's hear some of it so let 's hear delivery. shambles before but that is a real bang of Arctic monkeys. Uh, there office. you
2: go and I, you know I think particularly in my early 20s I think I was very much sort of wanted to be like you know the quintessential cool girl Um so that was very informed by like what the guys that I was friends with you know like what kind of music they liked and per, actually probably particularly with music because I think with books um or other art forms I always had very sort of clear ideas about what I liked and what I didn't like and because I maybe didn't know as much about music I didn't trust my own opinion um, as much so it was like okay Spice Girls and Beyoncé are bad apparently Um, and uh, you know Britney Spears is bad so I have to like I have to like the bands that the boys think are cool
0: Okay, do you want to talk about books now? Sarah? Yes, I do We're want to talk about a bit books. On a sequence of what I actually
2: planned. But Can we just that- do the culture club? No, no, no. I know we have a we have a podcast. I, I know we have other things. Oh, we, we get to the podcast, we will, and we'll we get will. to the movies, and we we'll get to the television, <laughs> but books. Yes, I will. well, we could talk about books for the whole hour. We could we could be here
0: for the rest of our lives, Matt. just you and me talking about books. Well, I've only got a certain amount of time because <laughs> you have nominated, and I thought that you would want to talk a lot about books. You've nominated one as a favorite book, mm. well it's two books effectively, Mm -hmm. by the one author. Mm -hmm. And we talk about those and then talk about other books. So tell us about your love for Marion Keyes and Rachel's Holiday. Um, Well,
2: I think when you're someone who reads a lot, um, and I am someone who reads a lot, um, it's very difficult when someone says, what is your favourite book? Because Mm. I just could name hundreds, you know, that um, that I just absolutely adore. But I do think this book in particular has been, is a very special book to me. Um, Like, I remember first, well, I first read Marion, I think when I was maybe 12 or 13, Um, you know, it was a book that was like on my mother's bookshelf. Um, and I remember picking it up and just being, just thinking it was so funny and, and fresh and and um, and I suppose maybe I hadn't read anything about like Irish women written in that way before um, and then any time any book would come out by another author you know like in publishing there's this tendency to do like the new Marion Keys yeah. the new Sally Rooney you know whatever um, and, and I would get really excited and try and read this you know new book and just think oh no but this isn't, this isn't as funny and this isn't, doesn't feel as like the writing isn't as good and, um, and I suppose it didn't feel like it had the same heart that her books did either.
0: Um, Which might be unfair to those authors. They may be well good I'm not and- I'm right. not
2: naming any names Matt. <laughs> okay so you know I'm not I'm not damning anyone um but um yeah but I think with Rachel's holiday um I actually read it um it, it's a book about um a a 27-year-old woman who is in a rehab um, facility for her drug addiction. Um, and I actually read it when I was in um, St. John of God's. Um, I was being treated for anorexia and bulimia when I was 21. So it was this very strange, I think, experience reading a book that was set in a rehab centre when I was also in a rehab yeah. centre. Um, and there's a scene in the book where Rachel is doing coke by herself and I had this very sort of 21 year old reaction like okay who does drugs by themselves like you know what a loser and then I I thought oh but you actually do this with food you use food in the same sort of secretive furtive way that Rachel is using drugs Um, and it was the first time that I'd ever sort of looked at my own behavior in that way. Like it was this really sort of like come to Jesus moment nearly, you know? Okay. Um, and I think that book sort of became really important to me um, because of that. And then subsequently um, Mary and I have become um, very good friends. Um, and when she said to me that she was thinking of writing a sequel to Rachel's Holiday, which just came out in February again, Rachel, I was just so excited at the thought of revisiting this world and revisiting these characters. And, and I think it's such a brave thing to do um, to go back to like perhaps her most loved book, And I think there's always a fear of oh God, will I let people down, or will people be disappointed? But she's such a brilliant writer. Like I think she is capable. Like she's able to give the reader what they need, but also what they want. And I think that's actually a really hard, like, thing to pull off as a writer. But she's just she's so skilled.
0: And yet does she sometimes suffer from people having a degree of snobbishness towards the books, that they're not literary enough that maybe the accessibility is regarded as too mid-market?
2: Yeah, and you know, I think that is changing. Like, I remember when I was at um, university, um, I I took a module on um, Jane Austen um, and the lecturer was talking about this programme that he had done, I think, for Channel 4, where he was asked to read books by uh, kind of commercial women's fiction and sort of see which one of those would be... I don't know the heir to Jane Austen's, you know, throne or whatever. Yeah. And um, and he said he was like, God, there was one of them I was really like really impressed by, and he said, oh, have any of you read Marion Keys? And it was a, actually most of the people in that module were women, and. It was kind of silence for a second and then one woman at the back went oh I love Marion and then it felt like that had kind of given the rest of us permission to say yes. oh we love her as well um, and I do think for years as you said there was you know I think it was kind of dismissed but I think there has been a reckoning over the last number of years that actually the way in which her books were categorised and treated was actually inherently really sexist Like that, her books are important actually like they are accessible and they are funny but like they're also dealing with like really important issues like addiction and, and alcohol alcoholism and depression and, and and domestic violence
0: and has that informed your style of writing
2: um you know it's funny I remember the very first meeting that I had um, with my publisher and they said you know well, how would you like your career to go and I said well I'd love to write books like Marion Keys. but I mean obviously not funny enough because whenever I sit down it always comes out like very dark um but yeah I think you know I mean she's been an inspiration in in, in so many different ways and she's she's been such a She's so encouraging and she's so supportive of um, young Irish women in particular Um, and I think we're really lucky to have her.
0: But what else do you like reading? Given that you say you read a lot, I mean, how many books a week do you get through? Okay,
2: well, I'm telling you, I used to read. I would say three or four books a week, and then I got a smartphone, and now I'm sort of averaging about two a week. Um, so Smartphones
0: are a curse when it comes to reading. I
2: know because it's it's you need. I think when you're reading, you need to sort of settle in and you need to focus. And if you're looking at your phone like every few minutes, like it's. It, it's just very hard to I think just really become yeah. like com- um, completely absorbed um, what have I read recently that I loved like I loved um, The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett um, it's about these twins Um, who are born into this community of light-skinned black people um, and they kind of intermarry in order to have increasingly um, light-skinned black children. Um, And it's just this fascinating look at like colorism within um, the black community um, and race and, um, and love. And yeah, I think like for me, a good book, I think it has to have three things. I want it to have like a really good hook, like a really good story, that the writing is beautiful. Um, and that I feel like it has something to say. And like, I know even when I'm like writing my own books or like with something like Idol, I suppose that's, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm sure I don't get there. But I think when I start, those are kind of the three pillars that I'm like, these are, these are kind of what I want to achieve.
0: Is it all fiction that you read?
2: It's mostly fiction. Now, I, I feel like you probably read, do you read mostly non-fiction?
0: Yeah, I used to read when I was younger, it was all fiction. Now it's very rarely any fiction.
2: Yeah, because my partner is also, you know, a journalist and he's sort of similar. He's um, done the Culture Club as well. Yeah, and he has. He has. And he's definitely like, because now I'm sort of like pressing um, fiction on him. Um, but yeah, I think I want to escape a little bit um, when I, when, you know, So I, I suppose to me, that's why I love fiction is because it it. Um, Oh, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting an insight into uh, people and experiences and, and lives that are so different to me. Um, but um, I don't know maybe I should give nonfiction. <laughs> give
0: us a few other uh, novelists that you love before we go to the break.
2: OK, um, I, like there's people that I'm like, I will always buy this person, like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, uh, Curtis um, Sittenfeld. Um, I love uh, David Mitchell. Um, I love Meg Wallitzer. um God, I'm trying to think who else. Like, as I said, um, Margaret Atwood is obviously, like, an absolute, you know, go-to. Um, I loved Kylie Reid's, uh She just had a, such a fun age. That was a brilliant debut. Um, God, sorry now. You I'm tend to l- like
0: modern fiction, though, clearly, from all of that list.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I suppose I did read a lot of... Um, like I read a lot of classics at, at university and actually one of um, I went to India for four months um, when I was 21 by myself. Um, and you know, it was kind of before, let's say, the time of Kindle's. And before the time of smartphones and like the only books there was loads of books like um, for sale there but they were all classics so I like read Anna Karenina and I read um, War and Peace and I read uh, Catch 22 and like so like loads of like um, older you know like um, older classics Um, so I I sort of maybe I overdosed on them that summer Then now I'm like but as well I suppose there's always pressure because I get sent a lot of books and and, and I, I often feel like I'm trying to kind of keep up with my stack of proofs so then if there's a book that's like you know been written even five or ten years ago I'm like I I can't I have to I have to kind of keep up with these
0: Podcast. You haven't given us the name of the podcast, so this is going to be a surprise to me.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, there's so many good um, podcasts that have just been released. Like I love Louise McSharry's um, new one, Catch Up with Louise McSharry. Um, But the one that I've chosen, now I am going to be accused of bias here because I have chosen um, the group chat um, and one of the people in the group chat is my partner Richard Chambers. But I'm going to be really honest here now, right? I am dating a man who's Twitter handle is News Chambers, and I'm not that interested in the news. So like he, I feel like he's constantly bullying me to you know be more informed. And then he told me he was starting, you know, they were starting this podcast, and I thought, oh god, I'm going to have to listen to this every week now and pretend (laughs) I have to pretend to like it. And then I listened to the first one, and honestly. I think it might be my favorite podcast at the moment. It's so interesting. Like oh, this is
0: with Gavin Riley. Gavin and Zara Riley, King. yes,
2: and and Zara Gavin King, Riley, of
0: course, whose radio career started on this very. Yeah, there you
2: go. You can you can you're <laughs> responsible. <laughs> but they have such a great dynamic, the three of them, and like I think actually their skill is making like quite complex stories and ideas like very accessible, and also they have such a like they have a really good dynamic, and it's it's they're they're very funny, and I think they just bounce off each other um, really well. So thank. God that I absolutely love this podcast because otherwise it would, be very, it would be very difficult for our relationship.
0: And you had to reciprocate because when he was on doing the Culture Club <laughs> date last year, his favourite play of all time is asking for it.
2: Well, you know what? I, um, I feel like I made him, so he was going through the questions and he said, oh play, 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 play and I said, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me whereas he actually doesn't know that I've chosen the group chat um, as uh, the favourite podcast so it's a, it's a much more organic um, choice I think What about a play for you? Well I, I love the theatre um, and you know I grew up um, in Clannacilty and, and about 15 minutes outside Clannacilty is this tiny village called Rossmore. And they have um, it, it's Kilmeen Drama Group um is the group there, and like I think in small villages and towns all across um Ireland, it's either the G A, or amateur drama, the yeah. sort of the gods, you know, um, and like I was I was exposed to such incredible theatre. Like out in Rossmore, as I said, this tiny village um, and like I met people there, like you know people who were farmers and who were you know builders and you know who had you know jobs that were were not in the arts at all, who were more informed and educated and articulate about theater than most of the people that I've met, you know, let's say in Dublin or New York, or you yeah. know wherever else I've gone, like they were just so, they, they it was it was just I don't know, like that, that, it was running through their veins. They loved it so much. Um, so I, I think, you know, and it's funny, I suppose, in amateur drama, you kind of see that there are certain times where people become really popular. So let's say John B. Keane would have been like a really big one. Um, and let's say Martin McDonough, there was a real phase of that. Um, and uh, actually, Kilmean, um because they had an incredible main actress who I think was around the, the um, right age, and they did a lot of Marina Carr, I think, in the late, um, I suppose the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, And, uh, yeah, so the one that I chose um, was By the Bog of Cats, but, I I mean, I could have just as easily chosen Portia Coughlin. um, uh, But, like, yeah, it's just, it's such an incredible play. And I also think, um, I suppose, well, particularly even with John B, um, but, um, and also with Marina Carr, I suppose, like these incredible main roles um, for women, because I have friends who are actresses and they're like, God, like a lot of them have started writing their own material because they said it's just so hard to find roles that you're always sort of playing the girlfriend or the wife or, you know, like that. They, it's hard to get like a really or there's one
0: female role for every three male roles. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, whereas, I don't know, like, and like Hester is just, I mean, she's indelible. Like, she's just this incredible, like, just, you know, I think once you see that play and once you see that character, it's very hard to forget her and I suppose it kind of ties back in a lot with um, even what I was saying about Alanis Morissette um, and I suppose that permission to be angry and I suppose often women you know that's not really an emotion that we're um, that we're allowed I suppose um, that we're not really allowed to express ourselves in that way and I think I suppose maybe I've been very drawn um, over the years to art forms where I feel like that that female anger is not only allowed but sort of encouraged
0: You go to the theatre a lot you watch a lot of movies
2: um, I mean, not I'm not as like do you know movies and TV, I'm not I don't know what it is. I suppose actually, to be totally honest, because I read so much, it does don't take up. Yeah, on, and I, I I'm I'm and I and I feel like often I feel like I'm sort of because I suppose there's such incredible storytelling. And I think that when you are a writer like storytelling is so important whether you are getting that from audio or whether you are getting that from tv or like you kind of have to be immersed in that in order to I don't know feel inspired and to feel um motivated and pushed and I'm always like I really need to be watching more TV um, and film but I'm telling you the reading it takes up a lot of time
0: You have picked a movie that I don't think I've seen since it came out in 1989 and I loved it at the time Heather's Yes well I was
2: four when it came out so I didn't watch it then (laughs) Um, but I I think because I mean I loved obviously it was funny I was trying to decide when I was choosing um my favourite film, I was trying to decide between Mean Girls, Clueless and Heathers and I actually oh, thought it was... good movies. Yes, but it was such an interesting sort of, like, because Heathers was the 80s, Clueless was the 90s and then Mean Girls was the 2000s and, you know, all high school movies and all sort of around, I suppose, um, you know, I was centering women as well, but Heather's and Mean Girls mm-hmm. maybe have more in common. But I think what I loved about Heather's was, well, first it was so quotable. Like a lot of them use, you know, offensive words, so I won't, I won't say them on, on the radio. But like there were a few quotes from it that, you know, but even like, "What's your damage, Heather?" You know, like the things like that that I would still use. But well, we have a clip for oh, it. Oh, amazing! So, uh,
0: this is a clip from it's Heather do my work for me. <laughs> funeral. Oh yeah. I
1: blame not Heather but rather a society. ...that tells its youth that the answers can be found in the MTV video games. We must pray that the other teenagers of Sherwood, Ohio... ...know the name of that righteous dude who can solve their problems. It's Jesus Christ, and he's in the book... Oh, God, this is a tragic thing, and sometimes I have a hard time dealing with it and stuff. Please send Heather to heaven and all that.
0: Dear God, please make sure this never happens to me, because I don't think I can handle suicide. Fast early acceptance into an Ivy League school, and please let it be Harvard. Amen. Jesus,
1: God in heaven,
0: why'd you have to kill such hot snatch?
1: It's a joke, man. Jeez, people are so serious. Hail Mary who aren't in heaven. Pray for all the sinners so we don't get caught another joke man.
0: I prayed for the death of Heather Chandler many times and I felt bad every time I did it but I kept doing it anyway now I know you understood everything praise Jesus hallelujah hi
1: I'm sorry technically I did not kill Heather Chandler but hey who am I trying to kid right I just want my high school to be a nice place amen that sound bitchy?
0: Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Just explain. There were four heathers in the movie. Yeah,
1: no.
2: Well, yeah. There's three heathers and one That's Veronica. True. Sorry. Um, and um, yeah, they're they're like the really bitchy, like mean girl um, cliques, and and um, they are threatening. And um, this new guy comes into town, JD, um, and uh, Veronica sort of instantly um, taken in with him, and uh, he sort of dares her almost to give one of the heathers um, a cup of um, drain. I think it was like some sort of um, cleaning fluid. And she thinks it's a joke and she mixes another cup with like milk and orange juice and she's going to go give it to Heather but she picks up the wrong cup and he notices that she does this but doesn't say anything to her and allows her to basically kill her best friend. And then they write um, a suicide note um, from like in Heather's handwriting Um, and this kind of starts off a a rampage of uh, destruction and murder. And I mean, I think what I I love most about it is there is no way that this movie get made today like I think they tried to do um a remake of it and it just didn't it just didn't work I think there's something about it was that that period of time i I suppose as well it was probably before let's say mass shootings and things like that in in schools and before you know Colin across yeah like that, so I think like that place. after that it just would have been i mean it just would have been culturally impossible to, to do that and so I think there's something about it that feels so perfectly of its time but also really encapsulates I think for a lot of people how just I don't know how terrifying and how awful an experience school can be.
0: I must dig it out again. I must watch it with my daughters. We did watch Mean Girls together a few years ago. They couldn't get over it that I enjoyed it so much. (laughs) But they're going to be shocked by Heathers (laughs) then.
2: Absolutely shocked.
0: Maybe not. Uh, (laughs) Listen, television. You obviously have been reading from an early age but you must have watched some television as a child.
2: Oh yeah. And the one that I chose... And it was very funny because I was talking to um, uh, the publicist about this beforehand, and she started laughing. And she said, it w- What? It just had such a chokehold um, on Irish children and teenagers, was home and away every day, 6 30 every single day Monday to Friday it was just Why? I don't know I mean I suppose they were all really attractive and like it looked really sunny and you know they were always swimming and surfing and.
0: So let's actually hear a clip from it in which Shane and Angel feature
2: Oh even better Hi Hi
1: How's your day been?
0: Uh, Ah alright How about yourself? Oh no Well no I don't but I'm waiting What? Angel, you've got this way of smiling, and it's not really a smile. And that usually means that you've got something to tell me, but you don't know how to say it.
1: It's store called, Shane. Yeah? About my modelling.
0: Right.
1: Confirming my last gig tomorrow. But We really could use the money.
0: Yeah, sure. I think you should take it. You really mean it? Yeah, I wouldn't say it if I didn't. Look, I'm just going to go and clean up and I'll
2: hit on with you. I'm I'm, sorry, I'm laughing because I remember when Shane, of Shane and Angel, um, died in Home and Away and it was, I mean, I don't know if I've ever recovered. Yeah, it was devastating, absolutely devastating.
0: For recent years, you've picked something that I actually haven't seen yet and I saw David Putnam recommending it recently Yellow Jackets. Oh, I'm
2: obsessed. Okay, so. I, yeah, I think there have been a lot of talk about it at the start of the year um, and I started watching it and it's about this, um, an all girls uh, soccer team in the 90s in America who are flying on their way to like some big game, I don't know, regionals or something and they crash and they end up in the wilderness for 18 months. And there's like this suggestion that they end up eating each other. Um, And and then it sort of is a it's a dual timeline and it's kind of into present day. And it's actually like an amazing exploration of trauma and PTSD, while also being this incredible like horror. Um, And there seems like you're not sure if there's supernatural elements involved. And and, and again, just really clever at like, I suppose, um, the depiction of teenage girls and how how much they can love each other and how much they can hate each other which is like a central theme in Idol as well but like so I think when I was watching it I was like oh god I, lo- I just love this
0: That's based on a true life story which happened to men's rugby team in the Andes because I actually interviewed one of the survivors about 15 years ago oh, really? about that yeah.
2: I think what had happened was um, a few years ago there was a, um, talk about doing a female um, Lord of the Flies and there was all of this talk on Twitter where people said oh that would never happen with girls like girls would just you know they would bond together and they would create this community community um and the creator of yellow jackets was like Okay, have you ever been like you know? Have you ever been a teenage girl? Because I feel like this could definitely happen, Um, and yeah, I just I found it just so amazing. And you know what? I got really into this. Is going to take a bit of a turn here, so be prepared. Um, After watching it, I I became so fascinated with the idea of survivor cannibalism. (laughs) Like genuinely, apparently, no. Wait for this. Does that feature an idol? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It was. It was too late to put it in. Um, Your next novel. um, Yeah, but apparently, it tastes like veal. There you go. Ah, come on. Apparently it tastes like veal. And then I did a poll on Instagram asking, if now you were faced with... Okay, Matt, be honest. You're faced with certain death. You're going to die unless you eat someone. Will Let's you move eat on them? swiftly. <laughs> oh, he's too afraid. You see now, too I don't,
0: afraid. do I don't eat feel, all right? just put it that way, <laughs> for ethical reasons. Favourite artist or best exhibition you've been at? This is a new category we've introduced.
2: Yeah, um, actually, and it's funny, I really, I actually love going to art galleries. Um, I think because so much of my work is obviously, you know, to do with words and, and trying, you know, I don't know trying to encapsulate an experience um, in words on a page, um, and I think there's something very freeing about going just to see visual art and experiencing art in a way that's non-verbal. Um, and um, yes, the artist that I've chosen is a is a young artist called Rachel um, Daly, who's actually just graduated um, from uh, MTU um, in Cork, At and the they, a, College. Yes, um, and they asked me to um, they asked me to come and open her exhibition, her debut exhibition, um, and it was it was so powerful, like it was um, videos and photos um, and there were these really beautiful images and then when you kind of looked up close, there was these hints of of danger and, and menace in them and, and, you know, I think the reason why they asked me to open it was because it was really, I suppose, an examination of um, gendered violence um, in society and I just felt very excited about the prospect, I suppose, of just, you know, like, I suppose you're kind of passing the bat on, on yeah. a bit, you know, that like, there's these younger women who are kind of coming up behind me who are so... I don't know, who are so passionate and engaged and who really want to use their art as a way of creating change in the world and I was I was really blown away by her. I think she's going to be like someone that we you know really big in the future.
0: Okay, one final one, and this is another new question we decided to introduce to the culture club. So we're starting it with you. Oh. Your cultural buried treasure. Okay. Anything you would recommend to anyone that perhaps has been overlooked?
2: Okay. So this is quite funny because I chose this Um, It's Return to Oz, which was a movie in the 80s um, and it's a sequel to um, The Wizard of Oz um, and it's much darker than The Wizard of Oz. um, I think much truer actually, uh, much more true to the books. But it was very funny because I... um I was like, this has been so overlooked. It's just such an incredible film. And I made Richard watch it with me. And at one part I said, okay, this is going to get really scary, okay? This is going to, just 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 be careful and just mind yourself. <laughs> and then the only way I can describe them was like the Billy Barry kids like arrived on screen and he just looked at me and he said, this is going to be really scary, is it? And I was like, mm, okay, maybe I shouldn't have chosen something that I haven't watched since approximately like 1992 um, as an overlooked kind of cultural gem <laughs> but I will say uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah so I will say but I, I still I still have a really you know a place in my heart um, for Return to Oz
0: we have a clip from it in which Princess Mombi, the head switching <sighs> witch yes. wants Dorothy's head what do you think
1: I think you're very beautiful
0: I should you hope know. so Just who might you be? What are you
1: doing here?
0: I'm Dorothy Gale.
1: Dorothy Gale? What's happened to the scarecrow? Come nearer to me. The Gnome King took the scarecrow and all the emeralds back to his mountain and turned everyone else to stone. You will be rather attractive. One day, not at all beautiful, you understand, but you'll have a certain prettiness. Different from my other heads. I
0: believe I'll lock you in the tower for a few years till your head is ready.
1: And then I'll take it. I believe you will not.
0: And then the Billy Barry kids bounce <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, you see, at the beginning of this, Dorothy is, um, is in an asylum because they think she's gone... Um, you know that she's sort of lost her mind because she's talking about um, uh, you know the Wizard of Oz and, and and being in the Emerald City and all these things so it's it's quite look okay as I said I was very dark as a child I found it very scary when I was a child so I'm sorry it might not hold up
0: No it's a great choice and Idol is a great new novel from Louise O'Neill it's been great having you here in the Culture Club thank you so much
1: The Last Word with Matt Cooper Today FM It all happens here